0: How's everyone doing today? Good deal, good deal. That's good to hear. Well, uh, excuse me. I'm out of breath. I had to run over there and grab this right before the lights came up. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Hunter. I am the student pastor here at New Beginning Church. We're so grateful and excited that you joined us today. And we are are definitely um, seeking the Lord right now. Uh, This is something that... I think um, God has used to be able to bless our church honestly a little bit in, in in drawing towards Him a little more. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it was mentioned a little earlier. Um, our lead pastor, Brother Tom, uh, if you don't know, he suffered with a light stroke uh, last week, and so he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, but he is doing well. He's recovering. Uh, each day he's getting better and better. And we're so blessed to see how well he's doing. Um, we're just so thankful to the Lord as to what he's doing in his life right now. And um, we're super excited for the day that he's going to get to come back because I promise you, and, and, and it has been seen by our family, it's been seen by friends, um, Brother Tom will be on this stage again one day and he will be preaching God's word soon. I promise you that. So, but right now you're stuck with me and that'll be okay. So uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn them to Galatians chapter 1. Um, Today we're actually going to begin a new series for a little bit, and it's called No Other Gospel. No Other Gospel. We're going to be taking a deep dive for the next several weeks into the book of Galatians. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1. Before we read, I want to give you a little bit of background on this book. Um, Galatians was written to the churches of Galatia, um, and, and Paul wrote these letters, the apostle um, and, 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 you, and to understand a little bit of why he wrote what we're about to read, um, we are seeing at this point in time when the book of Galatians was written that the Jews and the Gentiles are beginning to both believe in Jesus. They're starting to follow him. Jesus has already risen from the grave and the word of Christ's resurrection and what he has done for all people was spreading like wildfire. And now it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't just the Jews who were following God, it was the Gentiles as well. Well, we see one of the Jews, his eyes were opened in the books of Acts, and his name was Saul. His eyes were opened by Jesus himself in an appearance on the road to Damascus, and this guy's name was later changed to Paul, who is the man who wrote this book. Um, Paul, when he visits with the disciples in the book of Acts, he actually talks to them about the fact that he is really pursuing the Gentiles, which is basically just the non-Jews, in case you don't know what that is. And... When he, was pursuing the, when he said he was pursuing the Gentiles, he meant that he was going to be pursuing um, those people who did not grow up with the Jewish tradition to have the connection of the Messiah. To have the connection of the understanding that there was a Messiah that was coming, that did come, and his name was Jesus. And um, he, in, in order to do that, he told the disciples, he informed them that he was not forcing Gentiles to conform to Jewish Tradition Now, not Jewish law, but Jewish tradition. There's a difference. Jewish tradition teaches certain things that were, um, you know, a, a big uh, no-no in, in oral sense, and a big no-no in an oral tradition sense, but not necessarily in uh, law sense. So, for example, think about it this way. Um, it's, in, in most places, uh, here we don't really care, but there are a lot of places where you don't... that i telling you, it's going to be a good morning. Uh, so anyways, where, uh, you'll see somebody wear a hat, for example, in church, right? And some people get a little hurt by that because tradition-wise, you don't wear hats in southern churches, right? But law in the Bible says nothing about wearing a hat in church, right? So we're not seeing uh, a division here in hat-wearing versus not hat-wearing. It's just ultimately up to the people's opinion, not according to the law. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Paul is saying, listen, I'm only going to enforce the things that are of the law, not of our oral traditions. And the disciples are perfectly okay with this. However, in the churches of Galatia, some Jews start showing up and teaching non-Jews a distorted gospel. One mixed with their own views, their own agendas, to lift up their own names and cultures and ultimately not Christ. And I I think that's so familiar sounding because I believe there are so many people today that teach a distorted gospel that is mixed with their own views, their own agendas, to lift up their own names and cultures and ideas and not Christ. And so we're just seeing today what was a rehashing in Galatia. Um, we're, we're just seeing today something that was taking place um, you know, thousands of years ago. Uh, so I, I think that we can learn a lot from looking at Galatians to see what is the true gospel. And how do we find the differences between true, a true gospel and a false gospel. Well, here's what Paul is going to talk to the uh, Galatians about here. He is going to communicate to the Galatians That the only gospel we are to believe in is the one that Christ preached, not one of man's creation. Because ultimately, and here's a big point he's going to push, man seeks to praise one thing, and that's man, not Christ. But God, in his divine uh, being, seeks the praise for himself. He seeks the glory, and that's not a bad thing, because he is a God to be glorified. He is a God to be worshipped and to be praised. And so, we see Paul is going to be talking about this here. Now, we have gospels in our world today, like I talked about earlier, that we believe in that are ultimately not preached by Christ. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, how do we tell the difference between a true gospel, like one that Paul... Um, is talking about verses of false gospel, like the one that the Judaizers, which is a word you'll hear me, hear, or hear me use a lot when it comes to the Galatians, um, the, uh, the Judaizers were preaching. So, with all that in mind, let's read Galatians chapter one, and we're gonna begin with verse one. I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible or the CSB. So Galatians chapter one. It says this in verse one. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, pay attention to that, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever, amen. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still striving or trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's pray together this morning as we get started. Father, we love you so much, and God, we are so thankful for you. God, we're thankful for your word. God, we pray this morning that you will just... Um, Bless us in a mighty way through your word, God, that we would just see um, your word jump into our hearts and into our lives. God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move um, and tug at hearts this morning, uh, open our ears and our eyes to see what you want us to see and to hear what you want us to hear. Lord, we love you. God, we praise you, and we thank you. We ask for all this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. So we just read there something uh, from Paul. Writing to the churches of Galatia, now, we have to also understand this about some historical uh, historical ideas about the Bible. So, the Bible was not originally divided up into different sections and into different books and into different uh, verses. You got to think about this. There's a reason that we call these things letters, because this letter from Paul to the church at Galatia, to the churches of Galatia is literally written as a letter, right? It's not written in a way where it's like verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. So, and, and letters then were read in front of the church. Not everybody was getting a copy of these letters, right? Miss Betty wasn't getting something on email from, you know, the church office. That, that's not how that worked to them. Uh, we, they had to read these things out loud in front of everybody. And so imagine being this church. Like, imagine Paul the apostle wrote this to New Beginning Church, and, was reading, and you're stand, now I'm standing up here on behalf of him reading this out loud to uh, us. We're super excited to hear what he has to say to us. And, you know, a couple of sentences down, the thing we hear is, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Like, imagine just hearing that off the, off the top of the letter. I mean, that, that, that would have to be a, a, a gut punch. To know, like, oh my goodness, he obviously sees something we don't hear. But that's how urgent Paul was to communicate this, because Paul understood, just like we should understand, that the gospel is the most important thing that we could ever talk about, that we could ever preach, that we could ever understand. And if that's not right, then there's no way the church can function correctly. And so Paul is addressing here immediately, and you're going to see him address this throughout all six chapters in the Galatians, um, that Uh, The gospel is the center of the Christian belief. So we have to understand then, how do we find the difference between a true gospel and a false gospel? Like uh, Paul is going to describe here in Galatians 1 between the gospel of Christ and the gospel of the Judaizers. And Judaizers, of course, just meaning Jews. um, And they were Judaizing people into believing that, uh, and to completely explain this as carefully as I can... The Judaizers were basically creating this idea with people that, hey, salvation is great. That's, that's awesome. But you have to conform to the traditions of the Jews. You have to conform specifically to the traditions of the Jews. Um, and if you're not doing that, then you're really not achieving salvation. And so Paul here, that, that's one of the biggest reasons he's addressing this, is he wants to get clear this gospel that Christ preached and how it is different from the gospel that they're trying to preach. So point number one. How do you tell the difference between a true gospel and a false gospel? The true gospel is preached by Christ. The true gospel is preached by Christ, while a false gospel is preached by others. Go back to Galatians chapter 1 here. Verses 7 through 8 say this. Not that there is another gospel but that there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. A curse be on him. That that is such a powerful statement from Paul. Paul is not just saying, oh, you know, just correct him. Just be sweet about it. Paul's like, no. If someone is teaching you something different than what Christ taught us, a curse be laid on him. That's how serious this is to Paul. That if we're getting the gospel wrong, that we can't trust our churches. We can't trust the people around us. We we can't trust even our own selves if we don't know the true gospel. And so Paul here is making sure to clarify, hey, The true gospel is preached by Christ. Now, Paul preached the the gospel of Christ to these people. But you'll notice he clarifies here. Paul, an apostle, not not from men or by man. He's clarifying here. I was not sent here by men. I was not sent here for men. I was sent by Christ. And God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. He clarifies here at the beginning of the chapter, hey, I am not here for man. I am here because Christ sent me here. I'm here because I believe in the gospel of Christ, not man. So the question is, in today's society, how do we tell the difference between the gospel of Christ and the gospel of others? Well, here's here's one of the biggest questions you can ask yourself, and I want you to think about it, think through it. Who does who you listen to listen to? I'm going to say that one more time. Who does who you listen to, listen to? Because you have to be able to clarify for yourself, hey, the people that I'm allowing to influence my idea of the gospel, are they truly following Christ, or are they, true, or are they following man? And here's the biggest way you can check that, by reading your Bible. It's, it's the simplest form to check any issue that you might have with finding a true gospel versus a false gospel. Because we believe here at New Beginning Church that the Bible is the infallible word of God that has not changed, and it is amazing, and it is the God-inspired, God-breathed work that has influenced thousands of generations and will influence thousands and thousands of more because it preaches one of the greatest truths, the greatest truth that has ever been preached, and that is the gospel of Christ, that is that Christ was crucified for our sins, buried and resurrected on the third day. That way we could have eternal life with him and life more abundantly here on this earth. So you have to check yourself and say, who do who does, uh, who you listen to, listen to. And how do you do that? Well, again, it, it's simply this. For example, today, I don't want you to just walk out of here and go, oh, cool, Galatians uh, 1, 1 through 10 was exactly what Hunter talked about this morning. No, I want you to go home and study I want you to go home and open up Galatians 1, 1 through 10 for yourself. Break out a commentary or two. Break out, um, you know, go online and do some research about it. I want you to study it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. And that's what Paul's telling them. He said, don't take my word for it. It's not me that's preaching this. It's Christ through me that's preaching this to you, right? I wasn't sent here by man. I was sent here by Christ. And there's many false gospels that we're facing today in the church. There's many. And, and two, to just clarify here, are something like progressive Christianity or prosperity gospel. And those kind of are buzzwords in the Christian church, but to clarify, if you don't know what those mean, progressive Christianity is just simply taking the idea of the gospel, taking the idea of Christ, taking the idea of the Bible and saying, I like this, I'm not too much of a fan of this. I like this, I'm not too much of a fan of this. To give you a perfect example, in Romans chapter 1, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna say it because it's the truth and, it, and it's in the Bible. Um, in Romans chapter one, a lot of people love to ignore the last several verses which talk about homosexuality. I know that's kind of a touchy subject but the Bible addresses it. And I'm not afraid to address it because God addressed it himself. And we see in that passage a lot of people wanna say that, oh, well this wasn't added until this specific date or this was, this was all changed because this is what it originally meant. But if you actually look back at the Greek, that was it was written in, you can actually see that it specifically said, said man lusting after men and women lusting after women and burning in desire for one another in that sense. So we see that it, progressive Christianity, basically what it does is, is it tries to change the certain meanings in the Bible in order for it to fit with the 21st century model of, of uh, ideas and opinions. We also see prosperity gospel, which is a little bit different. See, prosperity gospel, what it preaches is that we're healthy and that we're wealthy in Christ, that there is no such thing as harm that can come our way. But my thing that I love to use the Bible and and past experiences to prove is I'm curious how many of the disciples who were crucified upside down and boiled to death and cast out to islands on their own would say that when they started following Christ, things got easier. I'd love to see how many people living today in Afghanistan and Iraq and Pakistan and places in Africa like Nigeria where you're literally seeing a Christian holocaust take place. Hundreds and thousands of people have died in Nigeria right now for believing in the cause of Christ. Yet nobody's talking about it. And yet, I'm curious to know if, if they thought, or if they're thinking now, hey, oh yeah, you know, it was a, so much easier to follow Christ than it was before so the prosperity gospel preaches a false gospel because, again, it takes what it likes out of the gospel and it puts in there what it doesn't like and, and reverses some things around. That way it appeases them, their own will and it preaches their own idea of, of what true Christianity should look like. But, however, that's not what's in the Bible. That's not what's in the true gospel. But the thing is, is those two, which are just big buzzwords in the church today, aren't the only false gospels. They're not the only things. The, the, a false gospel is simply this. It's me taking the gospel of Christ, me taking the Bible and saying, okay, I like this, but I'm putting this in there for, for this specific reason instead. I like this, but I'm not really going to pay attention to that chapter over there. Or I like, um, you know, specifically where it says, oh, you know, you have to love your neighbor. But I, I don't like where it says, die to yourself. I mean, that's what, people, that's what a false gospel is. It's simply just changing up what the gospel of Christ is for your own benefit and for your own praise and for your own glory and for your own ideas to be elevated above the God of the universes. So my question is this. Are you believing in a false gospel? Are you creating a false gospel in and of yourself? Are you taking the Bible in your own mind and ignoring certain things but taking some things on as if it was a thing of leaking logs that you could decide to build whatever house you wanted to build? Is that what you're doing with the Bible? Are you taking it at face value? Are you seeing it as the infallible word of God? And are you taking it in a way that will change your life if you just allow it? So not only does a true gospel, not only is a true gospel preached by Christ, but the second note is this. A true gospel preaches grace through faith. While a false gospel preaches faith through works. Let's go back to Galatians here real quick. I'm going to read verse 6 again. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel, contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we've said before and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be on him. So here's what the Judaizers, again, I'm going to remind you of what the Judaizers were preaching. The Judaizers here are preaching to the church of Galatia. Hey, grace is great. It's, it's a great thing from God. You know, John 1, um, written by the, John the Disciple. We're actually going through that right now with our youth and young adults. And just to plug that in real quick, like I said earlier, I am the youth pastor and student pastor here at the church. And if um, you don't have a youth or young adults uh, that you're involved with, we'd love for you to get plugged in with us. Um, just to throw that in there. But, uh. We're walking through the book of John right now, and and one of the things that our youth can always tell you is that the book of John is about what? And I'm going to let them say it to themselves because I know there's a couple of them here. The book of John is about proving that Jesus is God. It's about proving that Jesus is God, and, and in it, it talks about how Jesus gives grace upon grace upon grace, that we wake up, we have new mercies every single morning that we wake up, You get a whole new set of mercies for the day that you're awake. Then you go to sleep, and the next day you get a whole new set of grace. And that's the beautiful thing about Christ, that we get grace through simply just surrendering our lives to him. However, the Judaizers were preaching something totally different. They were preaching to the churches of Galatia, hey, look, grace is awesome, you know, God and Jesus is really cool and stuff, but if you really want to have salvation... What you really, if you really want to have salvation, what you have to do is you have to do these specific things according to the Jewish tradition. Then, and only then, do you truly have salvation in Christ. See, they were preaching this idea of faith, having grace through faith through works. That works was what worked you up to the mountaintop of faith, and there, and only there can you receive grace, and you better be careful, because if you stop working... Or you don't do something right, you're going to tumble right back down that mountain. And it's a whole nother climb to get back up there. But you see what's so beautiful, and I, and I love this idea, this um, specific scenario that people will talk about to give an example of what Christ has done for us. They say, you know, many religions in this world, almost all religions in this world, preach, preach some form of, uh, of, a, of their distorted gospel that man has to climb up to the mountaintop to meet with God. But you see, what our Bible tells us in John one, again, I'm gonna reference that, is that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about Christ. So what that means is this, is that Christ left his majesty in heaven and came down. So instead of us having to climb up to the mountain that was too steep to climb, Christ came down that mountain for us. A God that was willing to serve his own creation, to save his own creation. We didn't have to work up to him. He simply came down to us. He found us as we were. There's a song I love, that says, you love that, um, that says, you loved me as you found me. Literally saying, when you found me, you loved me then. You took me in then. But that doesn't mean we remain where we are because I, I don't want to throw works out the window because James, uh, some of us may have heard it before, in the book of James, it says, faith without works is dead. Now, that's not meaning that works in and of itself is the thing that gets us to salvation that that's not what james is saying there. what james is saying is that when we have faith in christ when we follow christ it will produce works that we will change because christ is a god who changes you from the inside out so when you pursue christ you will change it's inevitable but your works don't get you to Christ. One of the, one of the greatest examples I, I think there is is when people love to say, I, I'll start following Christ, but I need to get some things right first. That's an idea of faith through works. But the true idea of what Jesus is saying is, hey, don't worry about getting to me. Let me come to you, and then we'll sort out everything else. It's not, let me get some things right first. It's, let me get Christ, and then I'll get some things right. Because let me tell you something. You can't get things right without Christ. You can try, and you can try, and you can try, and you can try some more. But I promise you, as long as you don't have Christ, things won't change. You might think they will, but they won't. Christ is the only one who can change you from the inside out. Because we're all born with a sinful nature. And that sinful nature causes us... To fall in sin every single day. But yet Christ in his mercy and his glory, in his sinless and blameless nature, comes to us to pull us out of it. And I think that's beautiful. But we see here that this true gospel preaches grace through faith. That we receive grace simply by believing in Christ. False gospels all day long will tell you, hey, you have to work. Like when I talked about the prosperity gospel earlier. The prosperity gospel simply teaches this idea that, hey, um, you have to have enough faith in order to receive healing. You have to have enough faith in order to receive blessing. And if you don't receive the blessings, if you're poor, if you're struggling with health issues, you must not have had enough faith. You need to work a little harder. I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like faith through works. So that's what false gospels preach. And that's what the Judaizers were preaching. And that's why Paul specifically was clarifying, hey, this is not a gospel that is true. Because in another letter that he wrote, in Ephesians chapter 2, eight through, uh, verses 8 through 9, he says this. For you are saved by what? Grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. Paul clarifies there, listen, there is no other gospel but grace through faith. So not only does a true gospel preach, is preached by Christ, not only is the true gospel preached by grace through faith, but the last point is that the true gospel preaches Christ. A false gospel preaches man. If you look back at Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, I absolutely love this. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, it says this. Or am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul literally is saying there, listen. The gospel is going to preach Christ. I could try to please man all day long, but if I was trying to please people, I wouldn't be serving Christ if I was trying to make people feel better about their current state I wouldn't be preaching Christ if I was trying to make people feel like they could just do them and they could just have whatever floats their boat and it would all be good then I wouldn't be preaching Christ because here's the thing God ultimately in the gospel will receive glory and not man God ultimately receives the glory man does not receive glory and that's a good thing because we don't need glory. You know, C.S. Lewis, um, who was a great theologian, one of the things he said um, in, in his book, Mere Christianity, is that the greatest sin that we've ever committed, not because it's greater than other sins, but because it's committed the most by man, the, the sin that pretty much engulfs all other sins is pride. We are so prideful a creation. That even in Genesis 1, we would find ourselves better than God and we would do something he asked us not to do so we could be equals to God. That we could even be greater than God. But that's not what God created us to be. God created us to serve him and and to glorify him. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow with the pride issue that we struggle with. But the beautiful thing is, is that That ultimately is our nature, that Christ created us to worship him, to glorify him, and to be in communion with him. Imagine that. God created us to be in communion with him, to to literally hang out with God, to get to know him deeper and, and, and greater. I can't imagine a better reason to be created What an amazing purpose that is to be able just to glorify Christ and to be in communion with Him. So, like I said, I talked about here that God ultimately receives the glory and not man. Because here is the true gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 1 says this Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you, as most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. This is Paul writing this. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, but because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. Paul literally says there, this is the true gospel. If we're, if we're trying to point out all these false gospels, then what could be the truth? This is it. This is the true gospel. That Christ would come. That Christ would be blameless. That Christ would be crucified for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he would be buried and that he would be resurrected three days later to take the sin, the hell, the death, and the grave all with him in one fell swoop so we could have eternal life in him and life more abundantly in Christ. So, we've learned all this today. We've learned to look at the differences between a true gospel and a false gospel. Now comes the question that I'll end the sermon on today. Are you willing to accept the true gospel? Are you willing to accept it? Or are you simply willing to let your pride, to let your ego, take the gospel of men and apply that to your life? Are you willing to accept Christ? Are you willing to accept his word, his gospel? Or are you simply going to just set it aside and believe what you want to believe? And not accept the true glory of who created you. I'm telling you, if you don't believe the former, you're missing out. Let's pray together. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I would ask this morning that you think about today, what do I believe Do I believe in a gospel that is about Christ? Do I believe in a gospel that is about His work and His will and His kingdom or do I just simply believe? in this idea that I can do what I want to do, I can be who I want to be and I don't really have to truly follow what Christ fully says. Because as again as our heads are bowed and we're about to go into a time of prayer, there's one more gospel, distorted gospel I failed to mention and that's the southern gospel. this gospel simply preaches this, That should be a hard working father, a hard working mother, make sure your kids are in church on time, throw a little late to service, it'll be okay, only cuss a little, only get drunk a few times, but make sure you're a good family man, make sure you're a good mother, make sure you're taking care of your children, grow old, have some land, Have a house that you own. Make sure you never miss church. Live how you want to Monday through Saturday, but never miss church. And that that's all there is to life. Can I tell you that's a distorted gospel? That's not the true gospel. The true gospel isn't just showing up to church on a Sunday and acting like that's what saves you Monday through Saturday. The true gospel is committing your life to Christ. Not a day. Not two hours or an hour. Your life. So I'm asking you today, if that's something that you're saying, Hunter, I have realized I don't have my life fully committed to Christ. Then I'm telling you the true gospel, like we read in 1 Corinthians 15 is the best thing you could believe in in the world. Because as it says, Jesus Christ, crucified on the cross for our sins, paid the price that we should have paid, but he loved us enough to pay it for us. Buried in a tomb, and then three days later would resurrect, to beat sin, hell, death, and the grave, all in one fell swoop, like I said earlier. That is the gospel. So the question is today, are you willing to believe it? And are you willing to surrender your life to it? If you say, Hunter, I am, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not a magical prayer. The words aren't powerful in any way i'm just simply helping you talk to jesus christianity is about formulas and rituals it's just about a communion with god it's about following jesus so if you say hunter i want to do that today i want to follow christ then i want you to pray this prayer god i'm sorry for my sins Please forgive me, Father. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, right now, I give my life to you. From this moment forward, my life is yours. Use me how you will. Lord, I love you. I praise you and I thank you. I ask all this in your name. Before I say amen, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you. Talk to one of us, please. If that's a decision you're wanting to make that you did make today, please come talk to me. Talk to Tree. Talk to any staff that you see around here. We'd love to have a conversation with you about what Christ is going to do and has done Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you. We praise you for today. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And God, we pray that we will not live our lives according to man's pleasure. God, we pray that we won't live our lives according to what man has to say. But God, we pray that we would live our lives according to the true gospel. The one that we see throughout Scripture one we see throughout all 66 books of the Bible, one story simply telling of you and what you've done. God, we pray today that as you move in hearts, in and minds, in and spirits, God, that you would just be glorified through what's left of the service, that you'd be glorified outside of these walls. Lord, we love you. We pray we preach the true gospel to others in an unashamed, passionate, mighty way. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name.